hack your proof of vaccination. The federal vaccine card is now available. Canada's new travel requirement starts tomorrow. How the rules will be enforced and who will be left behind. Unvaccinated and off the job. We are told we weren't wanted, we weren't needed, and yet we know we are. How a group of nurses who refuse the shot are going rogue with their own healthcare clinic. And global news on the ground at Cape Scott. I know people have been really trying to get things cleaned up and now this is a huge setback. The lost cargo littering the beach and why a quick cleanup is crucial. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Starting tomorrow, a new stricter set of travel rules goes into effect, requiring anyone aged 12 and older to be fully vaccinated if they want to board a plane or train. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, you'll need that new federal vaccine certificate to prove it. This weekend, the skies will become a lot less friendly to the unvaccinated. The federal government finalizing what and when COVID rules will apply to travelers. This strict vaccination mandate is essential to safeguard employees in the transportation sector, travelers, our communities. Starting October 30th, passengers over the age of 12 will need to show proof of vaccination to board any plane or trains such as Via Rail or the Rocky Mountaineer. But there will be a small grace period for people who are in the process of getting vaccinated. For a short period, until November 29th, travelers may show proof of a valid COVID-19 molecular test instead in order to board. By November 30th, though, most travelers will have to use a vaccine passport to travel. The rules will apply to both domestic and international trips. Um, we anticipate that there will be some delay at the CATSA screening for some passengers, but the reality is temperature screening was in there for the last year. Temperature screening has been removed, so it's really just taking place of what that could be. The migraine is good. In BC, residents will be required to jump through yet another hoop. The BC vaccine card isn't linked to the new federal passport. The main differences that are visible are, will show uh, what vaccines you got and on what date you have it. And that was done by the federal government so that uh, to meet some of, especially some of our international requirements. And while the rules will be in place, there will be exemptions. People in northern communities will not be denied travel for essential trips. And there will be exceptions for emergencies. But for the vast majority of travelers without proof of vaccination, the skies are closed. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, days after BC produced guidance on booster shots, the National Advisory Council has followed suit, but with one big difference. The National Advisory Council on Immunization is offering specific advice for those who received AstraZeneca. And as Richard Zussman reports, that could affect tens of thousands of people. It's the prevailing message from public health. COVID-19 vaccines are working. Boosters for the general population are not required at this time. But still, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization looking down the road, recommending everyone over the age of 80 be offered a COVID-19 booster shot at least six months after getting their second dose, 
and suggesting a wider group may also be considered, all after at least six months from that second dose, adults between 70 and 79, adults in or from First Nations, frontline healthcare workers, and unlike BC's plan, specific mention of those who have received two doses of AstraZeneca. What we want to do is make it clear to everyone, not just those who got AstraZeneca, when they could expect their second shot. BC is actually ahead of NASI when it comes to the overall guidance for booster shots. British Columbia says it will be providing boosters to anyone who wants one six to eight months after their second dose. Those who are healthier will have to wait the full eight months. Where BC is behind is around AstraZeneca. The province has not differentiated between those who have received two Astra shots and those who have received mRNA vaccines. The practical implication for people with AstraZeneca is that uh, some of them may have got AstraZeneca earlier than they might have got an mRNA vaccine, right? So it may have implications there, but, um, but we were just more comprehensive. There are 82,247 people in BC who have received double AstraZeneca. For those who have received those two shots, there's 72% effectiveness against getting COVID, 70% against the Delta variant. The effectiveness is 93% in terms of preventing hospitalization. For those who received one Astra and one mRNA, efficacy shoots up to 91% and 99% for hospitalizations. What is our goal of a booster program is to reduce, I think, is to reduce the stress on our systems right now. I, I don't think we should have a goal of trying to eliminate um, the virus. And a reassuring word from Dr. Brinder Narang. Those who took the advice to get the first and second dose as quickly as possible should be pleased with no matter what vaccine they received. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. BC is extending its indoor mask mandate, and this time with no end in sight. That means you will have to wear a mask in a number of places, including malls, grocery stores, and buses and SkyTrain. It also applies to schools from kindergarten to grade 12 and post-secondary institutions and restaurants, pubs, and bars unless you are seated. The current order was set to expire Sunday, but while previous orders came with an end date, this one does not. The mask mandate has been extended indefinitely, so that we won't need to keep renewing it. It's simply in place now, and at some point in the future it may be removed, but uh, there's no date on that, and uh, we're just proceeding with it. This isn't a surprise to anyone, but it did. It, it, that mask mandate was put in place uh, until uh, October 31st, and it's now been extended indefinitely. Public health officials say masks combined with vaccinations are the best way to stop COVID-19. All right, let's take a look now at today's COVID numbers. We have 584 new cases with 4,982 active cases. 436 people are in hospital, 156 of them are in ICU. There have been nine more deaths from complications of the virus and 85% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. Well, a new clinic that's opening up in Kamloops is stirring up controversy. As Catherine Urquhart reports, Ezra Wellness was founded and will be staffed by nurses who are now off the job because they refuse to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Inside this building in Kamloops, a defiant group of nurses. They refuse to be vaccinated and can no longer work for BC health authorities. So they've opened their own business called Ezra Wellness. We would be an advocacy group to help people facilitate 
obviously their own wellness. Glenn Alderink was a nurse at Royal Inland Hospital and has been at the forefront of so-called freedom rallies in Kamloops. He says the clinic services will initially be free, but it's unclear what exactly they'll be able to offer. BC's health minister had this to say. uh, As a a condition of license, people would have to be vaccinated. So um, there isn't any loophole, there isn't any backdoor here. Uh, uh, If you want to practice these professions in BC, uh, you're going to have to be vaccinated. Alderink claims there are doctors who want to join his clinic. Basically, two or three individuals that uh, have been known uh, to be peddling their beliefs around vaccination uh, versus, you know, 14,998 doctors that are telling people that it's important to get vaccinated. It's important uh, to get their shot. So, um, no, I'm not concerned about about those very, very small number of individuals. As for the consequences of being unvaccinated, Alderink says he accepts the potentially devastating results. I know that I won't have whatever protection this injection gives you, but I've weighed the risks for myself, and I'm satisfied with my decision, and yeah, I could die from it. The BC College of Nurses and Midwives told Global News the clinic appears to contravene public health orders related to vaccinations and use of title, and it may lead to an investigation. Catherine Urquhart... Global News. Well, we'll see what happens with that clinic. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry for more. And Keith, you have an update on the number of unvaccinated healthcare workers in this province. Yeah, the good news, the number's coming down significantly, Sophie, in just 10 days down more than 2,000, but the number's still pretty high. Here's the latest numbers in terms of unvaccinated healthcare workers around B.C. There are 3,289 unvaccinated workers in the employee worker group. That includes nurses, care aides, community health, janitorial and such, but that number is down. Uh, The other one is medical staff. That includes doctors and uh, medical practitioners of various types. That's down from about 550 a couple days ago down to 379. Total 3,668. That's of 127,000 employees. So it's a 3% rate pretty well across the board. And hopefully those numbers, and they are expected to drop a little more. Fraser Health, or sorry, Interior Health has the most in terms of uh, other health authorities. They've got more than 1,200. That's more than double than any other health authority has. Most uh, unvaccinated people are, well, 33% of them are in the Interior Health Authority. Mm Uh, One more thing, Keith, you have an update on Premier Horgan after he Mm. went in for that biopsy today. Yeah, his office released a very short statement saying it was a successful uh, operation. He's now uh, resting comfortably in the hospital. Uh, But interestingly enough, he phoned his staff unexpectedly. Uh, They did not expect him to actually be able to speak. And he actually joked about it, if you recall, yesterday that he perhaps wouldn't be able to talk, which is definitely a handicap for a politician. But he phoned his staff. He said he was feeling great. Everything was looking very good. And he told them he wanted one thing for dinner. That was orange jello. Jello about the only thing he can eat right now. Orange, of course, being the color of the NDP. <laughs> of course. All right. Thanks for that. Nice to hear he's doing well and has this yeah. sense of humor. Thank you, Keith. Well, as Keith just mentioned, the interior has lost the highest number of healthcare workers in the province. And tonight, two nurses from Kelowna General are speaking out about their decision not to get vaccinated. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich reports. I worked really hard to be a nurse and I love my patients. I love my job. Andrea Henders gets emotional talking about being forced off her nursing job at Kelowna General Hospital due to BC's vaccine mandate. Sad, frustrated, disappointed. 
She's among the roughly 1,300 healthcare staff in the Interior Health region now on unpaid leave because she hasn't had a COVID-19 vaccine. I'm currently still waiting for the science on this one. There isn't any long-term data on the vaccine yet. Her colleague, Haley Hunter, echoes the sentiment about the vaccine and not being able to work. It doesn't feel real at all. I'm still in shock that this has happened and that this has gone this far. Both nurses say the loss of hundreds of healthcare workers across the province will take a huge toll. I'm terrified for patient care. Adding that an already existing staffing shortage will become even worse. We never get our breaks. We work 12-hour shifts. We're running off of our feet. Um, People are doing the bare minimum. So now that we are gone, our co-workers are left to pick up these pieces. While the Ministry of Health admits this will create challenges such as delayed surgeries and intermittent hospital bed closures, the minister stands firm the vaccine mandate is necessary. This is um, a very strong action needed in a pandemic to protect healthcare workers, other healthcare workers, other healthcare professionals, patients and the public. A lot of us would have you know, been open to rapid testing, daily testing, temperature checks. Claudia Venemer, Global News, Kelowna. Halloween without COVID restrictions. The VPD are bracing for a busy weekend and a frightening encounter in a downtown parkade. What happened when a hotel employee confronted a suspicious man? That's just ahead on the news hour. You'll find tons of garbage everywhere. What should be a pristine area of B.C., a wash in trash, the cargo from a container ship that's a blight on the beach, and how the biggest problem is also the smallest. That's later. Also tonight, a fiery crash shuts down the Coquihalla. The treacherous conditions on that busy stretch later. But first, Vancouver police and downtown businesses are bracing for the holiday weekend, expected to be one of the busiest of the year. Ahmad Agahi is live in Vancouver. Ahmad, they're hoping regular restaurant and bar hours this year will make things a little less chaotic than in 2020. Yeah, Sophie, these are some of the first big event nights for bars and restaurants since the restrictions were lifted on things like capacity and how late they can stay open into the night. So although it is an opportunity for those owners to make up on some lost time and revenue, uh, the memories of last Halloween still fresh in the minds of people like police. The decorations are up and ready, the bottles full. And the Friday night party at Cabana Lounge on Vancouver's Granville Street is sold out. Just about everything, except the ban on dance floors, will make this Halloween feel like the many before COVID at a nightclub. We've got three nights of Halloween starting, uh, you know, starting in a few hours. There is hope the lifting of capacity and noise restrictions will help regain some lost business and confidence for venues like this. And perhaps just as welcome as the relaxed restrictions is the increased presence of police officers over the weekend. We anticipate more people coming into the city for sure, so we will have extra officers throughout the city, particularly on Granville Street. What I hear the most from residents, and especially small business, um, is the importance of visibility of policing um, and how, what a key role that that plays in terms of deterring 
crimes and situations. It's those eyes on the street and the, you know, the feet on the beat. One year ago, these were the scenes on a Saturday Halloween night that saw partiers crowded onto Granville Street. Their gathering and sometimes hostility towards police led to arrests and was largely frowned upon during a time in the pandemic when no one was vaccinated yet. The COVID restrictions on bars and restaurants at the time considered by many to be the cause of the street party. Last year we had to close at 10, uh, stop serving liquor at 10, kick people up by 11, so they just all swarmed out into the street at the same time, overwhelmed police and people didn't want to go home. From the perspective of having seen Granville Street operate, um, you know, for the last 25 years, I've owned a bar in Granville since 96. We knew what was going to happen. I'm surprised it wasn't crazier, actually, to be honest, but um, it was really predictable. With more officers on patrol and extended operating hours, police hope that last year was an outlier. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. Police also want those dressing up to consider leaving any accessories that involve fake weapons at home, right? Yeah, this is something that has been said before, but it was important enough to remind people. So police spent some time talking about it today. If your costume or your friend's costume has an accessory that looks anything close to a weapon, leave that at home. It's a major problem for police because some people see that, think it's real, call them, call police, call 911 and tie up precious resources. So. All right, thanks for that. Amadagahi reporting outside VPD headquarters. Vancouver police are asking for help to find a man suspected of threatening a hotel employee with a knife. Police releasing this video of the incident on October 8th. They say the suspect had been spotted peering into cars in a parkade on Robson Street. When a hotel concierge confronted the man, he turned and pulled a knife, chasing them, the employee who managed to keep his distance. Eventually, the suspect thought better of it and left. A witness called police, but by the time the officers arrived, the suspect was gone. Larger and more frequent landslides predicted for Metro Vancouver. We're certainly seeing more uh, extreme events over the last number of years. The projected effects of climate change, including where slides could quadruple, and the other ramifications. Plus, parties over for a longtime BC business. The one-two punch that's just too much to take. Plenty of emergency crews are on scene to a rolled over semi here in Delta on the Highway 17 off-ramp from northbound Highway 99. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Delta. New research suggests climate change could have quite an impact on BC's mountains in the not-too-distant future. By the end of the century, landslides could become more frequent and larger, threatening homes and infrastructure. John Hua has more. Imagine trying to make it to safety when the ground itself is rumbling towards you like a wave of earth, rock and debris. British Columbia is no stranger to the devastation caused by landslides, and those with eyes on the ground say it will likely get a lot worse. The future isn't exactly friendly when it comes to landslides. While Metro Vancouver has kept historical landslide data to ensure its infrastructure like water systems remain safe. It's something that we've always kept a a reasonably close eye on, but our um, our data collection has improved as technology has improved. So we can use tools such as satellite imaging, um, helicopter flyovers. 
Geoscientist Matthias Jakob combined that information with enhanced climate modeling, focused on the North Shore Mountains to look into the future. How much more frequent these types of landslides, these shallow landslides could become, and how much bigger they could become. And the signal is strong and pervasive for both. After first predicting in 2009 only a 10% bump in the number of landslides by the end of the century, better technology shows with climate change and increases in precipitation. It's a much more dire picture. The uh, landslide frequency could go up fourfold. Uh, So not 10%, but 300%. The volume of those landslides also growing by an average of 50%. It is up for government, and uh, provincial and federal grants to find the funds to mitigate appropriately should the risk be found to be intolerable. Jakob says more regions need to collect landslide data like Metro Vancouver. Other mitigation measures could include updates to community plans, added warning systems, and new infrastructure that can protect existing developments. There's a toolbox um, that one can employ to reduce these hazards and risks. Jakob says one unknown that is shifting the foundation of his work, it's hard to use data from the past when gauging the devastating unpredictability climate change will have on our future. John Hua, Global News. Another longtime independent BC business has fallen victim to the pandemic and to online shopping. As Kylie Stanton reports, a popular Nanaimo store is closing its doors after more than two decades. What kind of costume are you looking for? Supergirl. Moving through the aisles, eyes peeled. Just days before Halloween, what's in stock is always a bit of a gamble. But this moment... Did you find yours? Yeah, I think he likes it. Well, this is what Patty Walker lives for. It's very emotional to tell you the truth. Our customers have very much become a secondary family to us. Oh, Leah! For more than two decades, this scene has played out at Patty's Party Palace. The store was the first of its kind on Vancouver Island when it opened back in 1999. It started because of the fact that I was tired of running around trying to find everything I needed for a party. Over the years, it's grown in size and scope, now catering to everything from weddings and baby showers to cosplay and, of course, Halloween. (laughs) But this year will be its last. As Kenny Rogers says, know when to fold them, right? Independently owned party supply and costume stores like Patty's have been struggling to compete with online retail giants like Amazon for years. But the pandemic has only accelerated the small business's decline, enhancing consumer appetite for online shopping while celebrations were put on hold. We're totally event-based, so... It was very decimating to the business to lose all of our all of our events, and they've been slowly coming back, but not fast enough. Making the tough decision to close is now making the rounds. Sad. It's sad. But loyal customers, many who've been coming here since they were kids, are showing their support. They've been here for every every holiday, Christmas, birthdays. That's a bummer. The store will be keeping its doors open until November 20th in an effort to clear the shelves and sell off all remaining merchandise. Things like this, the little prairie girls. But it's this weekend, Halloween, that really started it all. And now feels like a fitting way to end. And have one last big party is how I'm saying to everybody and go out with a smile. That's, that's, that's our plan. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Coming up, a learning opportunity. For once, I wasn't a token student. 
Real Indigenous education on the rise after Canada's dark history of residential schools. And later, all washed up, the growing debris field from the lost containers of the MV Zim Kingston. Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series, an engaging interview series featuring inspiring BC leaders Saturdays on Global and Sundays on BC One throughout November. In partnership with Fortis BC, that's energy at work. Good evening. Crews remain on scene to a major crash here in Delta. It's actually semi that rolled over on the Highway 17 exit from northbound Highway 99. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Delta. With the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at former residential school sites, a national conversation is finally happening about Canada's treatment of Indigenous people. Part of that conversation is how the Indigenous experience and teachings are shared with students. Global's Alison Vushnik reports. It's been a big month for Ella LaForm. She started university after being among the first high school grads from Kapapamachakwe, Wandering Spirit School, the first Indigenous-led school in Toronto. For once, I wasn't a token student. I was just another student at that school, which is like one of the most refreshing things to feel. Ella started her education in mainstream public schools, where she remembers teachers calling on her to explain Indigenous culture and history to the class. I was like being put on the spot for like things I didn't know about and I felt like almost guilty like I wasn't like I should have been speaking about my culture even though I knew I couldn't because I didn't even know what they were talking about. She felt teachers didn't have the right resources. They only really talk about like the falling or the like eradication of Indigenous people and they only talk about us in past tense as if we aren't here anymore. This is where I started Wandering Spirit. It is a four-bedroom apartment. It was 40 years ago that Pauline Shirt and her late husband started the school, a vision that grew after she was taken to a residential school as a child and then watched her own children be bullied in public school. They made them feel ashamed. They made them feel, you know, they were ill-treated. Indigenous teaching is not mandatory, so how and what is taught varies in provinces and territories. The moment that Indigenous peoples are, again, not part of the conversations, when it comes to Indigenous content, then, you know, that is, you know, the very step, first step in getting it wrong. Because of her experience at Wandering Spirit, Ella is moving to the next chapter in her education with strength and purpose. And you should tell people that, like, you're Indigenous and you're still here. You should be proud of who you are. Alison Vushnik, Global News. And to learn more about how some educators and parents are prioritizing Indigenous learning, you can watch the new reality this Saturday at 7 p.m. here on Global. In Health Matters tonight, the NDP government has opened what it says is the first mental health and addiction center of its kind in North America, this one in Coquitlam. The Redfish Healing Center has 105 new beds with programs that will deal with people who have the most complex mental health and addiction challenges. The government says it tailors treatment to each patient and follows them through the recovery process. What makes this model unique is that it recognizes each person's needs and strengths are different and offers care pathways to meet a wide range of needs. It provides different levels of care within this facility to ensure consistency and continuity. 
After completing the program at BC Mental Health and Substance Use Services, I'm now able to wake up each day and feel alive, content, but not complacent with where my life is heading. I no longer have to wake up hungry and confused and wondering where and how I will get my next fix. I have food in my belly, clothes on my back, and a roof over my head. The government says the centre also has an enhanced care unit for people with aggression and other behavioural issues, which have often disqualified them from certain kinds of treatment. Just ahead, a pristine beach littered with plastic. All these giant bags, of course, tons of styrofoam. The environmental nightmare our crews spotted at Cape Scott, washing ashore from those lost containers. Plus, dangerous conditions, a fiery crash on the Coquihalla, and the major delays that followed. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A total of six people have been injured, two of them critically, in a fiery crash that shut down a section of the Coquihalla Highway for hours today. The collision in the northbound lanes of Highway 5 happened between Hope and Merritt just before 11. It involved a semi-truck and at least two passenger vehicles. And it was snowing heavily at the time, as you can see. BC Emergency Health Services says two patients have been airlifted to hospital in critical condition. Four were taken by ground ambulance in serious condition. The highway has now reopened in both directions, but drivers are being warned to expect delays. Definitely looks wintry out there. All right, let's bring in our meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at our forecast. It was a lovely sunny day down here in Metro mm -hmm. Vancouver, but yeah, treacherous conditions up there, Christy. Yes, absolutely. So not only was it the heavy snow, but then in parts it was heavy rain as well. Uh, thankfully for that region, Sophie, the system is now pushing out. I'll show you that in a second. But first, I thought I would show you your Halloween forecast for Metro Vancouver. We all know that it's going to be dry, which is phenomenal. Uh, Temperature-wise, if you're out early with the younger kids, you'll likely see about 9 degrees. Sunset is just before 6 o'clock. And after sunset, that's when you'll start to see those temperatures plummet. When we get these beautiful clear skies, we lose a lot of heat at night, and so we cool off off quite a bit especially this time of year so if you're out later you're talking about six maybe five and then really late more like four degrees in fact the overnight low as we head into the morning hours on monday will be two uh, this is the current satellite you can see that system clearing out still some lingering cloud cover here and there but overall it's pushing out really quickly and that brings sunshine to all of the province but it also means very chilly conditions overnight so many areas in the interior will be below freezing overnight we're expecting frost we're expecting fog as well. Uh, so make sure you bundle the little tykes up because you'll see that on Sunday as well, but at least it will be dry. They won't need to wear sort of garbage bags over top of their costumes. Uh, so a chillier but sunny Saturday on the way. Saturday a touch warmer than Sunday. We're actually going to cool off a little bit on Sunday or Halloween Sunday, uh, but at least nice and sunny. We're not expecting rainfall until later in the day on Monday once again. Tonight's central windows, weather window, yet again a beautiful shot of the fall colors. This one from Surrey. Thank you so much to Sherry for sharing that with us. We do get some great pictures of this time of the year. Thanks, Christy. Well, we're getting a close look tonight at the debris washing ashore from the MV Zim Kingston. That ship lost 109 containers in heavy seas last week. One of them washed up on Palmerston Beach, a remote recreation site on northern Vancouver Island. That's where we sent our Paul Johnson to find a beach littered with more material than initially thought. One of Vancouver Island's most remote and normally most pristine shorelines. 
It's now the site of this. You're looking at just one small part of the north coast where the debris field from the Zim Kingston accident has washed ashore. This portion dominated by the staggering sight of dozens of refrigerators scattered around the sea container they appear to have come from. We counted more than 30. Other witnesses told us there are dozens more. But they may not even be the worst part of this situation. Among the things that we've found here so far, this train toy for kids. This board game, I don't recognize it, some of you might. And a whole lot of these plastic pink inflatable unicorns. All of these products and its packaging right now strewn up and down this coast and starting to break down into the ecosystem. I know people have been really trying to get things cleaned up and now this is a huge setback, I think. With such a huge range of different products and materials, it's hard to get any sense early on of the damage they will do or the cleanup that will be necessary. While the Coast Guard told Global News that contractors have been hired, there were no sign of them here Friday, nor did we observe any government response in the vicinity. The first phase of this cleanup apparently is being done by citizens who've come down on their own. The styrofoam's the hardest thing to clean up. Yeah. It just breaks apart into little tiny granules and it mm -hmm. becomes impossible to separate from sand. So mm -hmm. that's uh, unfortunately going to be on the beaches here for a long time. From the moment the Zim Kingston got into trouble, there were worries about the effect on our gorgeous coastline. But for days, it wasn't certain what would happen. Now we have the answer. At the Palmerston Recreation Site, Paul Johnson, Global News. Hope they get that cleaned up quickly. All right, uh, it's time. It's Squire time. I feel like that should have its own jingle. It's Squire time. I like that. <laughs> very nice. Sounds like a kid's show. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm a big kid, really. <laughs> In order to uh, get more goals, the Vancouver Canucks were trying Brock Besser and Elias Pedersen on the same power play today at practice. Um, you know, I think just having that threat of two one-timers on each side, it's going to be hard. But what the Canucks scoring stars really need to do is start getting goals when there is no power play. Plus, it's Friday. It sure is, and the best kind, because Squire has satellite debris later. Well, that's disappointing. Well, I'll sing the song, but for later because we're starting off with something. That's quite true. I am. Tonight. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. But I would like to hear the song. Again. Oh, I'll. I'll and sing I'm it sure again. they all would. Yeah. Well, you sang it beautifully, oh. and you wrote it too. So you'll all be getting myself. all the royalties. Okay. So Major League Soccer says it will conduct an independent investigation into the Vancouver Whitecaps handling of misconduct allegations towards former women's coach Hubert Busby Jr. back in 2011. And the Whitecaps have followed that up by saying any current members of their executive team who were involved in these matters in 2011 have been placed on administrative leave, but they haven't said who that is yet. 
Well, it seems the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps score more goals at home than the Vancouver Canucks do. We haven't seen a lot of celebration between the likes of Pedersen and Besser. Each has scored one goal this season. Neither has scored five on five, which is desperately needed. I know we have talked about this already this week. But the problem just won't go away. And last night's 2-1 loss to Philadelphia saw chances by the Canucks not finished. But here's a chance for Garland. Setting it up. Besser is stopped by Jones. It's not from a lack of chances, but the Canucks' top snipers have basically been firing blanks through the first couple of weeks of the season. Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller have all scored just one goal apiece. And nobody's more aware of that stark stat than the players themselves. Need to produce. Um, I mean, there's nothing to go around that. Um, especially myself. I know I've, I've had some good lucks over these past two games where I need to score on. I don't want to call it slump or whatever, but I'm just trying to learn from the past games. Uh, of course, it's frustrating because I always want to play my best to help this team win. But uh, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to become better every day. And today I felt good and I have a good feeling for tomorrow. Travis Green has played the lotto line together for parts of games this season, but Travis now it Green seems he's ready to put them together full time. They practice together Friday, looking to help ignite a spark that hopefully makes them all catch fire. We need to be the difference maker in these games right now. So, um, you know, we take uh, pride in that and um, obviously we practice together today. So um, for a line tomorrow, obviously we need to we need to score some goals for this team. I have full confidence in them. They're good young players. They're, you know, they're not just good. They're great young players, and it's not a time to panic. It's a time to dig your heels in and, and work and be confident and play, play the game with a lot of passion. They'll need that passion and more Saturday night as they host Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the rest of the high-flying Oilers, who have not had any problems putting the puck in the net this season. One thing about the Oilers, they do give up a lot of chances, so the Canucks should maybe score some goals. Okay, the latest fallout from the NHL's investigation into the Kyle Beach situation includes Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Sheveldayoff not being disciplined by the NHL. He was the assistant GM with the Hawks back in 2010 when Beach first told the team about the alleged sexual assault involving Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldridge. Also... Blackhawks ownership have asked the NHL to remove Aldrich's name from the Stanley Cup by Xing it out. It can't be removed from the cup since it's engraved, but they can put X's over his name. Now, uh, Joel Quenville resigned as the Florida Panthers head coach because of this whole scandal. So Andrew Brunette is now the interim head coach of the Panthers who haven't lost yet this year. They jump out to a 2-0 lead, but the Red Wings do tied on this Moritz Sider goal. But in overtime, Alexander Barkov scores the winner. So the Panthers 8-0 to start the regular season. PGA Tours in Bermuda this week and Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin is at this event and on the 18th he puts in a birdie. He's at two under par. He'll play on the weekend. Nick Taylor also of Abbotsford of course missed the cut at plus five. Toronto's Taylor Pendrith was the story though. This is on a par three. Puts this one to about six feet away or two yards if you like or you can do metric. It's up to you. He made the birdie. 
Uh, Pendrith, in fact, had five straight birdies, fired a course record 10 under 61. He is the leader at minus 11. Uh, Surrey's Adam Svensson tied for 10th at six under par. Game three of the World Series, Atlanta-Houston. It is tie 1-1. They are in Atlanta. Bottom of the third, Austin Riley doubling in Eddie Rosario. One nothing for the Braves. They are in the fourth inning. And the Raptors and the Orlando Magic. The Raptors with three Canadians on the roster, including their uh, second-round pick from last year, Danilo Banton, who's from the Toronto area. He gets a layup here, had 10 points. Fred Van Vliet with a three-pointer as Toronto will hang on to win it by one. 110-109, and they are now even at 3-3 three and three on the season. Oh, I wanted to show you this. I wanted to show you this yesterday, but I couldn't. And you might have seen it, but it's worth seeing again. Dyron Espria. Look at that for the Portland Timbers. That is magical. It'd be nice if they'd lose and help out the Whitecats, but that still is an impressive goal. And I thought, even though it's two days late, we got to show it. So we showed it. I hadn't seen it, so thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Okay. I, just like I appreciate your song. Well, we'll do that after the break. I can't wait. That alleged debris is next. Do you want me to... It's Squire time. Oh, that sounded even better than the first time. <laughs> a little more projection this time, too. You really got well, into I'm, it. Well, yeah, I'm starting to get my head around yeah, the you melody really, and the nuances. You really nuances. got into it this yeah. time, yeah. Anyway, that's great. Uh, when you make a CD, let me know. Okay. I'll, or a download. Be a short CD. Yeah, yeah, very short. Okay, do they even do CDs anymore? What am I, in the 90s? Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, first commercial for Satellite Debris. It's uh, promoting, well, it's promoting something. I can't remember what it promotes, but it's good. Ah, now this is entertainment. Your Majesty. Oh, Colin! We've uh, found something. Well, you got in there? <laughs> Look, the blue-eyed creature is killing the blob. And here, they perform strange, elaborate mating rituals. Gross. There's more. Just command something to play, and it will. They just give it away. For free. <laughs> Imbecile. Suppose we could give them 20 to 30 more minutes. Should I fetch the biscuits? Very well. And Colin, the good biscuits. I, I hate it when you get the mediocre biscuits. Do you think they're watching us right now? They are. Yeah. And they also were impressed by yeah. your song, I'm well, sure it of it. Be. It's going to be a universal hit. Okay, so this, that last one reminded me of an old commercial. I know I've, I've shown this to you before, but I love this one, so I thought I'd show it to you one more time. Here we go. Meanwhile, at the League of Evil. Uh, uh, isn't that the activation fee? Wait, no, that's the activation fee. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's the yeah. monthly service fee? Silence! Oh, I can't figure this thing out. <laughs> now wait, aren't you basically just a brain? <laughs> That's your power, right? Like, you're a brain. I can see your brain. Is it working? The dumbest giant exposed brain I've ever worked with. Indeed. Should I poke your brain? No. Little pokey? No. Huh? No, get oh, away. It's just a finger. Wait for it's me. It's just a finger. Don't touch me. Confusing cell phone bills are evil. Switch to Net 10. No bills, no contracts, no evil. Superheroes. They would be cool. 
big brain in the guy with the pokey finger. Okay, so now I got on this thing where, oh, I like that old commercial. I wanted to show it again. So here's two more, including one I know I've also shown before. But every time I show this last one, huge laughs. Here we go. Do you want to play? Yeah, sure. That's why we're here. Oh, look, a ball. Fetch! Where's the ball? Where's it? Where's the ball? It's in your hand. Good boy! Good boy! Good boy. Good boy. It's time for Daddy to make some funny. Yeah, we got all of this at Walmart. The decorations, the tablecloths, all of the food. And we even saved enough money for the... The, um... For the clown outfit. Unbeatable prices, backed by our price match guarantee. Save money, live better. Walmart. I love the clown. That's actually quite fitting for this weekend being. I sat, I also thought about that because a lot of people are freaked out by clowns. That's true. Mm -hmm. And rightfully mm -hmm. so. Pennywise. Ever since that movie It came out years ago, people got freaked. I haven't seen it, but that mm -hmm. would that commercial would scare me. It's all about scary clowns. Original our, one was filmed in it's Vancouver. It's all about scary clowns in our house. Mm -hmm. Oh, you like them? <laughs> I, I don't I don't love them. It's the boys that love them. It's, it's really? like scary clowns. That's all it's about right now. I'm so sorry, Christy. <laughs> I feel for you. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, final word on the weather for our <laughs> trick-or-treaters this weekend. Sure. So I do expect everyone to be able to or need to bundle up if you're certainly in the interior. It's going to be cold enough, but at least it's dry. Here across the south coast, we'll likely see temperatures range from about six to nine degrees during trick-or-treating hours. All right, thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend and happy Halloween.